Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. And today's topic is Jaws. Who made it? What year did it come out? I don't know. I don't know. Aw, oh, come on. Steven Spielberg and 1975. This is a big deal for you, huh? Yeah. We talked about a lot of Jaws clones on yeah. this show. Like, like Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws, Grizzly. But never the original. Mm-hmm. How did it feel getting to watch Jaws? Great. Felt great. Make you feel like a big kid? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about it, man. Where do you want to start? Let's just start off at the beginning and meet our characters. Who are our characters? I don't actually remember any of their names. Okay. So you start explaining who they are. I'll say their names. How about that? Okay. So our main character... Chief Brody... Mm-hmm. Is apparently afraid of the water? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that's a bit of a problem in a movie where you have to... Fight a shark and everybody's swimming? Yeah. And I forgot how they first meet the shark. <laughs> how they first meet the shark? I think they bump into each other at a coffee shop. Dad! <laughs> it's so kooky. They, like, spill the coffee on the shark and he's like... Oh. Dad, no. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> no, Dad. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. That's not even a movie. <laughs> it's not it's not a movie, huh? Okay. <laughs> That's a random dad made up movie. Yeah, there's a lot of those going around <laughs> for sure. So, so the shark appears in the very opening. Before we even meet Brody. Yeah. Huh. Remember there are a bunch of like uh, I don't know, twenty somethings out on a beach partying. Hmm. You don't remember this? There's the campfire, and then... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. He finds the arm of the lady that was eaten by the shark. Yup. Lady goes skinny dipping in the opening, and then gets eaten by a shark. Horrific scene. Yeah. It didn't seem to distract you too much from whatever you were eating at the time, though. Maybe you're desensitized to the violence. Dad. Hmm. Or you've just seen... 35 other movies that are exactly Jaws, but with other animals. Yeah. Or just <laughs> other shark movies that are exactly Jaws. So that could be the case, too. Yeah, all shark movies are different. But I don't think of Jaws knockoffs as Jaws knockoffs. Well, I mean, you'd never seen Jaws before, so you didn't have that standard, right? I yeah. mean, most people who watch a Jaws knockoff, Jaws clone movie recognize it as a movie that's doing what Jaws did just again. And a lot of movies have done that. And the reason for it is that Jaws is a pretty perfectly structured movie in terms of developing its monster-related tension, right? Yeah. So why reinvent the wheel when the wheel already works just fine? Yeah. I kind of get that saying. Yeah, that works. Well, well, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, the wheel works. It's circular. It moves. It rolls. So what else are you going to do? Make it square? 
Yeah, that doesn't do it, right? Yeah. So this is this is that idea. If you are writing a monster movie and you need a structure to work from, look at Jaws. A lot of filmmakers have. Hmm, they have. Well, yeah. I mean, like we just talked about. <laughs> I feel like we're talking in circles. Grizzly, other shark movies, they just copy that formula. Yeah. That doesn't really turn out Jaws because they make it way different. But yeah, well, Jaws. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that I teach my screenwriting students. Structure is just the skeleton of the movie, you know? Where, like, if you have a human being skeleton, you can put muscles on it and, you know, skin on it, different hair whatever, and you're going to get a different person than if you put different hair and skin and eyes or whatever, right? Movies are the same thing. If you put different story on that skeleton, it's still going to be its own movie, even if it's structured the same. Like as Jaws, but the story's different, so it's not Jaws. Exactly. So Grizzly is its own thing. Yeah. Kind of. Huh. But Jaws was a good movie. So I you like Jaws? Yeah. Pretty fun. Uh-huh. And, like, so, basically, at the beginning, it's, like, a couple of people are at the, at a campfire, and, like, two people go out to the sea, and, like, as Dad said, one of them, I don't know what, what that is, but what? How do you say it? Skinny dipping? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes her clothes off. Uh, parental guidance. Nudity. Some swearing. And gore. <laughs> There's quite a bit of gore. You know, there you go. It's also rated PG. We should address that. Yep. It's rated PG, nineteen seventy-five PG. So parental guidance necessary, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. should watch it with your kids. You shouldn't leave them watching it by themselves. Sit there with them, explain the stuff to them, etc. Guide your kids, as the mm-hmm. PG indicates. But yes, she goes skinny dipping, and then gets eaten by a shark. Eaten yeah. by a shark. Mm-hmm. And then our main character, Chief Brody. Walks along and finds the arm of a lady. Yeah, yeah. Or like the torso. It's like, it's hidden, basically. We don't really see exactly what he sees, but we do see... An arm of it that was covered by crabs? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically. Like in, um, oh my gosh, what is it? The monster of Piedras Blancas? When there's the crab wandering around the severed head? You remember that? (laughs) No. The guy shoots it with a shotgun? (laughs) I do not remember that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but okay, so yeah, you've got Chief Brody. He is the police chief on Amity Island. Yeah, well, uh, where everybody goes um, swimming and everybody thinks not going to the beach for one day is like not going to the beach for three weeks. But I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> well, okay, when they say that, what they're talking about is the fact that if they close the beaches they're losing a large percentage of the money that the island would bring in. The island is basically a beach island, right? The money that the islanders make is largely from tourism. The bulk of the money they make during the year is from the tourists during the summer. And if they close down the beaches during one of the prime days of the summer, they're going to lose a huge percentage of their income for the year. So that's what they mean by that. And so a lot of what's going on in this movie is motivated by money. Oh. And then Chief Brody, like, calls in basically, like, what, uh, Marina? I don't know. Like, <laughs> shark study or something like that? <laughs> yes. Matt. And... Matt Hooper, I think his last name's Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Roy Scheider plays Chief Brody, of course. 
But then Richard Dreyfus comes in as Matt, who is the guy with the know-how, right? He knows about sharks. He knows about the ocean. He's got all the fancy gadgets and equipment. Yeah. We found, like, this too fancy boat that doesn't need to be fancy. But, yeah, is really wealthy. He has a lot of money. Yeah. His, he comes from, like, a wealthy family, we learn. And so he's got all this money for all this equipment. And, yeah, yeah. he's got this really fancy boat, this high-tech boat with all of these cool gadgets. But what's kind of great about the movie is that in the end of the movie, rather than taking out his boat that is sort of perfectly equipped to detect and identify, like, shark movements, they take out Quint's boat, right, which has none of the gadgetry on it. So that is kind of a great twist at the end. We know that they've got the tools that they need to detect the shark and find the shark, but instead they take out Quint's shark fighting boat, basically. Yeah. I like this line. Wait, is that a shark cage? Yeah. You get in the cage? Yeah. And the shark comes at you? Yeah. I like that one. Oh, you're in the water. The shark's in the water. Yeah. 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 You get in the cage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we didn't talk about Quint. Who's Quint? Those are kind of our three main characters. Quint doesn't yeah. really come around too much until the last half of the movie. But who's Quint? Um, so once they discover about the f- shark, he's like, if I find the shark, I'm going to get that shark. So, yeah. Um, well, he doesn't actually kill the shark. Well, he's um, basically a shark hunter by trade or something. It's hard to he's tell exactly what he does. But yeah, once the shark... He's definitely a shark hunter. He has yeah. a bunch of shark-like mouth bones. So Yeah, definitely. like the jaws of... Sharks. Yeah, so Jaws. Yeah, uh-huh. we have a mm. title. <laughs> but of course, the town council want to keep the beaches open because, of course, they make all their money that way. Yeah, and they're like really greedy. But, and they're greedy. So they could get Quint to get the shark, but instead they let this other lady pay for the shark hunting, and she's not willing to pay as much as Quint needs to do it he doesn't need it i guess he just demands ten thousand dollars and he'll go get the shark but she's only offering three thousand so the town council rather than ponying up the other seven thousand they just go ahead and let this three thousand roll and so they get unprofessional folk coming in you know people who don't hunt sharks for a living and then they find a shark but of course, since Matt tested it, it was not the shark. Yeah. And all they found is that he definitely ate a, it was a tiger shark? Yeah. And it ate fish, and it ate a car. <laughs> <laughs> At least part of a car, yeah. 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 It had the license plate in it. Um, that's a really funny part, too. <laughs> well, how, and, and I'm going to ask you this question because you are interested in ocean animals, ocean yeah. science. Right. And I do want to become an oceanologist when I grow up. Uh-huh. So how does Matt determine that the tiger shark is not the shark that's eating people? By using measuring tape to test how wide the mouth had to be. And he tested it the same. And nope, it had, and it wasn't, the mouth wasn't the size as he tested it had to be. So Yeah, yeah he measured the wounds on the first victim. Yeah. So, like, yeah, they, like, I don't know if he tested the body or just the arm. Uh, it was, like, the body. It was, like, the torso, I think, is what they had, torso and part of the arm. I don't know. We didn't see it super clearly. 
No. You know, the movie spares us that at that point. Yeah. And also, what would they expect to find inside the shark if it was the shark? A person. Yeah, parts of the people that it ate. Because mm-hmm. it didn't just eat that woman. Who else did it eat? A kid. Yeah, a kid. That's crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and all that thing ate it was just some fish and a part of a car. And a can. I think they pulled a can <laughs> out of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> they need a license plate and a can. Yeah, just like you. <laughs> just gobbling up everything. I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. To hide the candles from you. You just walk by a lit candle. You start glowing from the inside. Dad, I do not. Gotta <laughs> fill you full of water. I do to put not. It <laughs> so eventually, long story short, the town agrees to put up the $10,000 to get Quint to help Brody go chase down this shark. Of course, Brody's afraid of water, like yeah, you mentioned. So, so, of course, well, Matt is going with them. And then, like, put, um, oh, when I. I said this line, there goes the barrel army. Because, like, eventually they, like, strap barrels to the shark to see where it is. Well, not just that. The barrels are filled with air. And the idea is if the shark goes underwater with this barrel filled with air, what does the barrel do? It comes up. Yes, the barrels float. So the barrels are going to be pulling at it. And eventually the shark will get tired and will get pulled up to the surface, right? Yeah. Because it's going to have to be pulling it down. Yeah, it's going to be pulling down. The barrel's going to be pulling up against it. And so the shark's got to come up. And this has always worked for Quint. Two barrels tops. What about this shark? They had to use three because it was a giant great white shark. How big? 25 feet. I like that Chief Brody was like, you're going to need a bigger boat. He like throws more fish out and then it accidentally hits a shark and he's like, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, and he keeps going on about it. We're going to we're gonna call for a bigger boat, right? Going to get yeah. a bigger boat, right? 25 foot. 25. Shark. And it's like ramming the boat and stuff like that. That's yeah. a great sequence. The whole last half of the movie where it's He's the three great. of them on the boat. Yeah, the whole half of the movie is just them trying to find sharks and kill it. Mm-hmm. Half of the movie is them hunting one singular shark. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically exactly an hour into this two-hour movie when they hire Quint and get on that boat. So it's a whole hour of hunting one shark. It's pretty good stuff. I love that stuff. They made one hour of hunting one shark. If that was whole an hour, that must be good. And yeah, it is really good. Yeah. What else do you like about the movie? Um, oh, I like this one part when there was like... And we're like, oh no, shark on the sign. I was like, oh, when, when they they, they vandalized the Amity Island sign to say, sign. oh no, shark. Yeah, yeah. So many great little things in this movie, uh, including that you've got all these people like wander up to Brody throughout the movie before the shark issue really, you know, comes to light. But during that first fifteen minutes, people are running up to him going. Ah, oh, kids are karate chopping the fences in town. Got to do something about that. And they're like asking Brody to do all this really mundane stuff. So we get a sense that life on Amity Island is pretty dull. But this yeah. shark comes along and shakes that up. Yeah. I also like when Matt said, hey, this isn't the right shark when they caught the, um, the tiger shark. shark. And the person that cuts it like, yeah, stick your head in it and check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. 
Not just our main characters are funny, but most of the people in this movie have funny lines. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of great little characters. You got Harry with the bad hat. Matt's dialogue is routinely funny because he's so snarky. Mm -hmm. The town council members or no, the people at the town council meeting are really snarky with each other, which is inappropriate because a kid just died and they're all saying these really silly snarky things yeah like let's just keep it open and kill people oh yeah is that what they say well, man, well they don't say I mean, kill like, people no, but no, no, yeah they they're basically making people you're right die. you're right yeah 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 i mean you know that there's a danger and you keep the beaches and things open you are absolutely sending people to their deaths absolutely <laughs> not unlike some stuff we see going on in the world right now sadly no so Ugh, Jaws hits home <laughs> right now. So what else do you want to talk about before we get into our segments? The end of the movie. That's really good. All right. Absolutely. Let's talk about the ending. So like when I said that Quint doesn't actually kill the shark, but yes, the boat starts sinking. Yeah. And he gets his legs get eaten off by Jaws. Well, not. And then, <laughs> of course, You're I trying was to like, figure out what to call the shark? <laughs> Jaws. Yeah. I mean... You call it Jaws. The animatronic they called Bruce. Bruce? Yep, Bruce, the animatronic, which didn't work a lot of the time. The reason there's so little of the shark in the movie is because the animatronic just kept breaking down, so they only got a few shots with it, really. So it's not in the movie much. No. That's probably why they did put up the barrels, because it didn't work too much. Well, the barrels... They probably had that plan from the start, if I had to guess. Yeah. That's probably something that was in there from the beginning. But the shark didn't work very well, the animatronic, so they didn't put it in the movie much. But there were other things that were happening that Spielberg felt was a problem, like the clouds weren't matching up from one shot to the next. Nobody cares about that. Like Nobody cared about the, the cloud cover. Who cares? No. Um, so that's you know a learning moment for filmmakers. But, uh, yeah, this movie was huge. Yeah. It was basically the movie that jump-started the blockbuster era. The era of movies that are huge, that everybody has to go see. You know, so it was Jaws, Star Wars, all the way up until more recently movies like The Avengers. You know, so movies like The Avengers exist because of Jaws. So, like, Jaws is, like, a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's immensely important. they started a bunch of the other blockbusters. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of movies before it that did this, right? You had The Exorcist, and uh, before that, if I'm getting my timeline right, Exorcist was 73. Godfather was 72, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, those movies were blockbusters of a sort that then Jaws, I guess pun intended, blew out of the water. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting, okay, do you want, if you want to learn some history here. Yeah. Okay. So basically, before the 70s, you had movies made by the likes of Roger Corman, right? People who made B-movies, drive-in movies, movies that were monster movies that were made to get people to go out to the drive-ins based on posters and gimmicks, things like Attack of the Giant Crab, stuff like that. So one of the things that Roger Corman did and other 
you know, B-movie filmmakers, is they would put their movies in as many theaters as possible in order to get in as many people as possible opening weekend or first two weeks. And they would basically make all their money in about the first two weeks. But the way Hollywood was doing it at that exact same time, before Jaws, before Exorcist, before Godfather, was they had first, second, and third run theaters, right? Like they had theaters where you would get maybe... Uh, you know, a few theaters around the country would play the movie first. And then it would trickle out into a few more. And then it would trickle out into a few more after that. So you would have a wide run of the movie, but it would be in stages, right? Like they would separate it. So only a few theaters at a time. In the 70s, though, they started copying that format that was used by the B independent filmmakers, which was to push the movie out into as many theaters as they could at once. So Hollywood Studios started doing that and it went amazingly well for Godfather and The Exorcist. And then Jaws used the same formula, but also was effectively exactly the same kind of movie that Roger Corman and other people like Corman were making. This B-monster movie, but with a big Hollywood budget. So everything that the independent B-schlock filmmakers were doing before the 70s, Hollywood just started doing it in the 70s. And started making all the money. Hmm. And then Jaws started blockbusters. Basically, I mean, it's the big one. One of the yeah. big ones. I mean, obviously, Godfather, Exorcist, Star Wars. I mean, without like that block of films. Yeah, and we Jaws, wouldn't have without it. those, we wouldn't have blockbusters. Yeah. So those are like the four like big movies. Yeah, I mean, people point to Jaws, though, as the one. Like, the yeah, big one. Cause... It wasn't the first one to do that. But it was the one that took that business model of pushing it out into all the theaters and also the type of movie that Corman made and put it in that business model, but on a Hollywood big budget scale. Yeah. So then those three together made it like like the big deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, for better or worse. I don't know. I mean, Jaws is great. A lot of blockbusters are not so much. Yeah. A lot of money's blown on really bad movies. But it's important. Yeah. It's an important movie. And it's really good. Yeah. And at the end, because when he stuck a tank in him, I'm like, okay, yeah, they're blowing up that shark. Yeah. And then they blew up that shark. Pretty good. <laughs> well, and of course, Brody, who's afraid of open water, what does he end up having to do at the very end? Explode a shark. While? Hanging onto a pole that is on a boat that is sinking. Yeah, he's on a sinking boat. Fighting a shark in open water, his greatest phobia. And he has to literally explode a shark. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Anything else you want to say about it before we get into the segments? Or do you have any questions for me about it? I don't know. I do want to say about that they were pretty smart how to get home using the barrels. like to. Oh, at the um, very, very end? Yeah, when they got back. Because the barrels were holding up. Sure, sure. That was pretty smart. That's smart. Yeah, flotation mm -hmm. device. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, beastly best. What's the coolest monster moment in Jaws? When Jaws gets exploded. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's a cool one. Absolutely. I will also say from around that point in the movie, but I think Quint getting eaten is pretty amazing. Yeah. Because the shark eats the end of the boat and then just... Quint slides right down into his mouth. That's incredible. It's also yeah. horrifying. It is also horrifying and incredible at the same time. Yeah, like it's amazing 
and terrifying, but it's such a cool sequence because just the, you know, the layout of the boat and how the boat has to tip and it becomes like this vertical thing that Quint can't avoid sliding down into the shark's mouth. And it is horrifying. It's a nightmare. It's horrifying, but also amazing. Yeah, it's That makes it even more amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That also makes it more terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so then get spooked. What's the spookiest moment? When Quint slides down into the shark's mouth. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) it for you. You remember the part where Matt goes looking at a boat that seems to be abandoned oh yeah Uh what happens there i don't even want to talk about it (laughs) it's so scary (laughs) yeah it's real spooky that's the spookiest part where matt goes underwater and there's like the head appears in the hole yeah that's some spooky stuff i tried to literally forget that happened (laughs) and you just reminded me you're welcome well then what are we up to funny bones funny bones Almost the whole entire movie. Everything's funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Even when the shark gets exploded. Yeah. That's funny, too. Everything that is funny. funny. Sure. <laughs> Almost everything in the movie is funny. There's a lot of funny stuff. Absolutely. Oh, but then there's the scene where they're comparing their um, scars oh, and they're yeah. drunk. That's a really funny scene. Great Where they're all drunk. Yeah. And, they're and then singing. there's a shark fighting them. And, yeah. and they're like totally just drunk and a shark comes in. It's nah, pretty funny. Not smart to get drunk while shark fighting. Yeah. No, sir. <laughs> well, then this brings us to our last segment, which is a big one. Scream themes, man. What is one of the major messages of this movie as you see it? Sometimes you don't have to like something to change it. Hmm, what do you mean by that? He is afraid of water. And he kills a shark on a sinking boat in open water. So you're saying that... You can be afraid of something to get rid of it. Okay, that like, if you're going to do something good, if you're going to make a difference in the world... It helps to be afraid of it. Okay, no, no, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. If you're afraid of something, change it. Being afraid of something gives more motivation to get rid of it. Yeah, uh, sure, absolutely. 100%. That's a major message, especially right now in a tumultuous world. If you see something in the world that is wrong, that's scary, do something about it. Chief Brody, he's afraid of the water, but people's lives are at stake. And so what Brody does is he puts his own life in danger, and he also puts himself in a position where he has to face that which he's most afraid of in order to do what's right for everybody else. Yes. That's something that... Is that what you're getting at? Yes. Okay. Because that is a really important lesson. You see people out there in danger, people going to get hurt. We go out and we do something to change it. And that's why everybody's protesting right now against the unwarranted violence that we're seeing. There are even pictures of us out at these protests, right? Because when you're afraid of something, you got to get out there and face those fears if we're going to change the world for the better. Can't hide away and, Even and let it go because otherwise it gets scarier. Even my did that. Mm-hmm. Great, great scream theme this time around, my man. Well, with that, big news. We've got two more patrons over at... Patreon.com slash word salad. We've got Andrew and Alex joining us over there. Thank you. And thank you for your support. 
at patreon.com slash wordsalad, getting access to exclusive content. We just posted last week one of the most wild experimental things that we've ever posted, which is (laughs) a silent film, a silent horror film with a score composed by... Me! (laughs) And performed by... Me! (laughs) It's a big deal, huh? Yeah. So uh, if you want access to our exclusive content, including stuff like that, and other big projects we have planned for the rest of the summer, head over to patreon.com slash wordsalad, support the show, get yourself some exclusive stuff, listen to almost a hundred exclusive podcast episodes yeah. that are posted There's there. There's a lot of different things, not just these like things about this, but a lot of different things. That was a confusing thing you said, but you're right. There's <laughs> there are a lot of different things, indeed. So patreon.com slash wordsalad, Al. Where else can listeners find us online? Facebook at Cadavercast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. Twitter. Cadaver underscore cast. Mm-hmm. And then, oh God. Instagram. Cadavercast. Yep. One word. Just the name of our show. And then they can email us at... Cadavercast at gmail.com. There you have it. That's how you reach out to us. Mm-hmm. What else do you have to say, Al? You've been listening to another episode of Cadavercast. I'm El Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love you. Thanks, we everyone. We need it. <laughs> we do. You're going to need a bigger boat.